Chapter 14 of Legends of Saints and Sinners. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Danielle Fedrigo, Grand Rapids, Michigan. Legends of Saints and Sinners by Douglas Hyde. St. Paul's Vision, or The Last End of the Man Who Leads a Bad Life. Preface. I took the following very curious account from an Irish manuscript a couple of hundred years ago, which had been thrown away on a loft in a farmhouse in the country Meath before I secured it. There are other copies of this story in the Royal Irish Academy and a fragment in the library of University College Dublin, but mine is the best copy I have met. There is no other version, so far as I know, of St. Paul's vision that is at all like this. The vision was at one time well known in Europe. It was at first, according to Tiskendorf, probably composed in Greek, and there is a version of it in Syrian and another in Latin. The story is also found in Old High German, in Danish, French, and Slavonic. The best and longest Latin version is to be found in the Bibliothèque Nationale at Paris, but there is not a word in it, nor in the Greek, nor in the Syrian, of the driving of the soul out of the body, or of the angel Michael's guiding St. Paul to the bedside of the dying man. As it is unlikely that some Irish jail composed all this out of his own head, I can only surmise that it is a translation of a Latin or Greek original now lost, and that the story now survives through its translation into Irish alone. We know that the Irish have saved for us several pieces of an apocryphal or mystic character whose originals are now lost, such as the extraordinary piece called the Ever New Tongue and the Vision of Tundal. This story contains a close resemblance to the debate between the body and the soul, which is usually known as the Visio Philaberti ascribed to Walter Mapes, or Map, or else to Walter Grossetest, Bishop of Lincoln, and of which a kind of Middle Irish version exists in the Leavar Breac, and was published by Atkinson in his Passions and Homilies. Another imperfect version was published by Dotton in the Revenue Celtique, 1903. My manuscript, from which I have taken the vision of St. Paul's, contains an excellent copy of it also. Almost all the Irish copies ascribe it to Grossetest. The longest Latin version of this vision contains 51 chapters or sections, and deals with St. Paul's account of paradise and his other wanderings, as well as with the infernal regions. There is a passion of St. Paul in the Leavar Breac, or speckled book, but there is not a word about this vision in it. I found an account of St. Paul in another Irish manuscript, probably taken from some lost source. A small, miserable-looking person was the Apostle Paul. Broad shoulders he had, a white face with a sedate demeanor. His head small. Pleasant bright eyes he had long brows, a projecting nose, and a long beard, with a little gray hair. The horrid description of the soul leaving the body with such reluctance has a curious pagan parallel, in an exactly reverse sense, in Lucan's Pharsalia, Book 6, 721, in the dreadful account of the sorceress conjuring back a soul into the dead body, and its reluctance to enter it. Ad spicit ad stantum projecti corporis umbram extamines artas, in visac claustra timintem carceres antiqui, Pavet ire impectas apertum, viscerac, et ruptas letale vulnere fibras, a miser extremum, qui mortis munis inique, eruptur non posse mori, etc. The medieval Irish translator of the Pharsalia reveled in this sorcerous episode. For the original of the following piece, see Religious Songs of Connacht, Volume 2. The Story The Apostle Paul, upon a certain time, chanced to be in the city of the name of Smyrna, in the land of Syria. And this is how Paul was, namely making intercession with God, the all-powerful, to reveal to him something of the pains of hell, so that all the more for receiving that revelation, he might perform the will of God, and give instruction to the congregations. 
And as he was beseeching God in this wise, there cometh upon him a youth, and he asketh Paul to go with him, to confirm in his faith a man who was at the point of death. Paul departed along with the youth to the place where was the sick man, and him they found before them struggling with the death. Now this is the manner wherein the soul parteth from the body, as saith St. Bernard, one of the archdoctors of the Trinity. He saith that the death come in a cold, unrecognizable, insufferable shape, stabbing the body with spits and arrows. And first it cometh into the outer members, namely the center of the soles of the feet, and the palms of the hands, in the veins and in every other member of the body, until it hunt the noble soul before it out of every member of the body, even as the fisherman routeth the fish under the hollows of the banks to the weedy place in which the net is set to catch them. Even so doth the death routing before it the soul into the heart, the first member of a person to be alive, and the last member to die. But howsoever, upon the coming of Paul and of the messenger to the sick man, they perceived how he himself and the death were struggling with one another, and that the death was after taking possession of all the body, except that the soul was in the lower chamber of the heart, striving to conceal itself from the death. But that was in vain for it, for when death came to the heart, he began plowing and boring the heart, for he felt certain that it was there the soul was. But when the soul felt its enemy and adversary, the death, close to it, it took to leave the body and to come forth out of the mouth, since it found no dwelling nor shelter in the body. But it is what it finds before itself there, a frightful, fearsome host of black, ugly-colored devils and fiery flames full of stench and a loathsome, insufferable, evil smell coming forth out of their mouths, and each one of them watching with fierceness for the soul to come forth out of the mouth and out of the body, for it was in a state of damnation without repentance that this sinner was dying." And when the poor soul beheld this devilish guard in front of it, the soul returned fearful and quaking, and cometh into the passage of the nose, and thought to come out there. But it beholds the same host before it. It returneth full of weariness and of misery, and goeth to the eyes. But it is what it findeth there before it, many black, ugly-colored devils with fiery flames out of their mouths and gullets, and each of them saying, What is this delay of deaths, that he routeth not out to us this damned soul forth from this greedy body, in which it is, till we bear it with us to its own abode? a place where there is darkness and eternal pain for ever and ever, as its evil deeds have deserved, that were wrought during the time that it was its own master. And on the poor soul's hearing these words, it screamed and cried feebly, and wept tearfully, sorrowfully, and with bitter weariness, for it recognized then that it was parted from the eternal life for ever and ever. And it turns back again to the hollows of the ears, where it thought to find a way out. But it is what it finds there before it many loathly worms, and evil-shaped terrific serpents of various kinds." When the soul saw that, it returned back to the heart, for it desired to go, as it seemed to it, into hiding, but it found death before it there, plowing and boring the heart. When the soul considered that it had no escape on any side, it despaired of God and of the whole angelic court, and went aloft to the crown of the head. It goes out and leaves the body and settles on the top of the head. It looks down at that tomb where it had been, namely the body, and said, O all-powerful God, is it possible that this is the body wherein I was for a brief space of happiness? And if it is, where has gone the blue, clear-seeing eye or the crimson cheek? Tis what I behold in place of the eyes, hollow, dry cavities sucked back into the hollow of the skull, the ruddy, handsome cheek, now dark and beetle-hued, the mouth that was today red and shapely, now closed, not to be opened, livid, hideous, without talking, without speech, and, oh, all-powerful God, alas for him who was deceived by the companion at the raising of the body strength, power, pride, and spirit, which was begotten and which was alive, and whose share of gold and treasures was great, but I do not see one thing of all that in his possession now, nor advantaging nor comforting him at all. But I see that it is ill he spent the gifts that God gave him, and that on account of this he has damned me for ever. The body spake and said, If it were not for thee, these devilish furious hosts would not come to claim me now. For this is how thou wast when thou wast bound to me. Thou was an active, most powerful spirit, 
full of understanding and of feeling and of clear intellect, of nobility and of honor, thou didst recognize between evil and good, whilst I was nothing but a fistful of clay, without beauty or strength or feeling or sense or understanding or power or guidance or movement or sight or hearing, until thou wast bound to me, and for that reason it is thou who art guilty, and not I. Thou greedy, carnal, unsubduable worm, all thou sayest is not true, for I was a clean, glorious spirit, said the soul, who had no necessity for food or clothing or for anything at all, and of all that is on the earth, but the joy of holy life, until I was bound to thee. And this is why I was bound to thee, for thee to spend the activity of thy feet, the labor of thy hands, the sight of thy eyes, the hearing of thy ears, the speech of thy mouth, the thoughts of thy heart, and every other gift that God gave thee, so as to do ministering, to make submission, and to perform every other service to glorious God throughout thy period on this world, so that after that I and thou might find the fruit of those good deeds in the enjoyment of eternal glory in the company of God and of the blessed Virgin Mary and of all the angelic heavenly court, where cometh everyone who has done good deeds, such as fasting, almsgiving, prayers, acts of friendship to a neighbor, listening willingly to the words of God and acting accordingly, and who used not to refuse to relieve the necessity of the poor and the like. But those are not the things thou didst but spending the gifts of God with gluttony, drunkenness, adultery, pride, arrogance, greed, with the ruin of thy neighbor's portion, with lies, noisiness, anger, quarreling, backbiting, folly, pitilessness, injustice, wrath, sloth, envy, lechery, with the spoil of the poor, and with every other sort of sin that the human body thought pleasant. And lo, what fruit hast thou for those misdeeds? Dead and feeble are thy limbs which were once active and strong, closed is the mouth wherewith thou didst used to hold unlawful discourse, Weak is the tongue wherewith thou wast wont to utter obscene barbarous words, giving ill fame, reproach, disrespect, shame, contempt, displeasure, and every other sort of evil that thy thoughts and intellect could bring to mind. Deaf is the ear that used to listen with pleasure to murmurings, to scandal, to the backbiting of neighbors. Blind and hollow is the eye that used to look with greed, partiality, and malice. There is no fairness nor beauty in the hand on whose fingers the gems used to be. I see them not on thee now, and moreover I see not the gold, nor the silver, nor the various other goods, which thou didst get by defrauding, which thou didst rob, which thou gottest from the weak, from the orphan, and from the miserable, with deceptions and ill will. They are now in the possession of other people, and not one thing of them doing good to thee, but doing every evil that is possible to reckon. And therefore, O greedy, lustful body, most unsubduable worm that God ever created, it is thou art most guilty, and not I, said the soul. After the soul uttering those words miserably and wearily, an evil spirit of that damned host, that was waiting to get the soul into its own possession, spake, and said, It is a wonder how long death is without routing this damned soul to us forth out of the body. Another devil answered him and spake, It is not possible for us to possess it or to take it until Jesus Christ passed judgment upon it first, according to its actions, bad and good. However, its possession forever is ours, forever because it was to us it did service and ministry whilst it was living, and ours is the possession of soul and body from the day of the last judgment forever. After the devil speaking these words, a shining, happy host of the angels of heaven lowered themselves with singing of music round about the body, and in their midst a youth more glorious than the sun, many awful wide-open wounds in his skin, and they dripping blood. The youth spake to the dead, and asked him how he had spent the life that he got, or the gifts that God gave him. The body answered and said, O Jesus Christ, O Lamb, Son of God, I am not able to deny it, that it was ill I spent my time and the gifts that I got that thou didst suffer passion pains and death on my behalf, and that I pay no regard to that. And therefore, I am myself admitting that thou hast no power, from the true right of thy divinity, and from the plentifulness of my evil deeds, since I did not make repentance of them, either early or late, not to pass judgment damning me now. And alas, now I see the wrong, the loss, and the harm of the neglect I was guilty of, in putting off repentance until thy messenger, the death, came to me, and my grief, I was not prepared for him, 
and moreover I got no respite when he came until he destroyed me, and that is my account of my life, and indeed it is more evil than it is good. Well then, said the youth, on whom were the wounds, all that thou hast committed of faults and of evil deeds throughout thy life, if thou wert to make true repentance from thy heart of them, I would make thee as clean as the sun, and I would place thee in the company of the angels and of the saints enjoying everlasting glory, and the devilish host, which is waiting for thee, would have no power nor might over thee. But since thou hast not done that, it is necessary to pass judgment upon thee according to thy deeds, bad and good. Then there came each one of the demon host that was waiting for the poor soul, and a roll of dark black parchment in the hand of each of them, in which was written all that the dead man had done in the service of the devil. On the Savior Jesus Christ perceiving that, it was what he said, Take with you this damned soul to hell, to paint it till the day of the general judgment, and from that out ye shall have the body as well as the soul, enduring eternal pains. Then came the devilish host that was waiting for the soul. They drew the poor soul with fiery crooks, and they made of it a lump of fire, and they were hunting it before them to hell, and it calling and crying out faintly and fearfully. Paul the apostle was observing each thing of those, because it was God who had sent his messenger to him so that he might get a view of the person who led a bad life, at the point of death, according to the prayer he had made. Then upon the departure of the accursed host and of the soul out of sight, Paul cried aloud, weeping and lamenting, to get a sight of the end that was being brought upon the soul. Then the messenger asked Paul, Did he desire to get a sight of the pains of that soul and of the other damned souls? I should so desire, said Paul, if it were God's will. Well then, said the messenger, I will give thee a sight of them, for I am not a man of this earth, but an angel that God has sent to thee to show thee these things. And I am Michael, the archangel, said he. After these words, the angel brought him to the brink of a valley that was stupendous for depth and fearfulness. Paul beheld amongst the first things there a great, dark, frightful river. Blacker than coal was its appearance, and jet black the bubbling terrible water that was in it, so that one puff alone of the venomous wind that used to come out of it would kill all the men and women of the world. Were it not for the Spirit of God succoring them, it would split stones and trees. And he beheld many loathly worms and snakes and devils of divers' shapes in it, raging, beating, gnawing, and bone-cutting one another, cursing the day in which they were born or created. And on the other opposite side of the river there was a dark cave, in which were many damned souls screaming, being bound and lashed, and some of them were in this wise sitting on the fiery hearth of pains, many black, ugly-shaped devils serving and administering the insufferable pains to them, such as fiery flames, sharp and hurting, and the devils tossing them and turning them with sharp-pointed spits in those flames. And there was a resting lake of very cold ice, full of venom, into which the damned souls used to leap, seeking cooling and comfort from the sharp goading of the fire. However, no sooner would they go to the lake than they would leap out of it again into the fire, by reason of its cold, and of the very sharp venom that was in the water. And here are the words some of them would say, O all-powerful God, is there any redemption or help in store for us, or shall we be forever in these pains? Or in what place is death that he cometh not unto us to put us into nothingness, so that we might find a sleep on our being dead? Another spirit of them answered and said, O accursed, devilish, damned spirit, said he, there is no help nor redemption laid out for you forever and ever, because this is the end your misdeeds deserved, whilst ye were in life. With pride, with haughtiness, with gluttony, with inordinate desire, and with every other sort of sin. Ye have spent the gifts that God gave you, namely feeling, beauty, strength, airiness, happiness, the sight of the eyes, the hearing of the ears, the speaking of the mouth, the movement of the limbs, and all those given to do the service of God. However, what ye have done was to spend them in the service of the devil, and it is he who shall give you your wages and pains, without help or relief, for ever and ever. Knowest thou, O Paul, said the angel, who they are who are pains like this? I know not, said Paul, but it is on them are the hardships impossible to count up or to show forth. There, said the angel, are the people of haughtiness and pride, 
who used to be bruising to pieces the poor, who gave themselves up to drinking and the evil desires of the world. Yon devils are beating them and ministering to them eternal pains, and they shall be so for ever and ever, in Eric for their misdeeds. Paul beheld another band upon the fiery hearth of pains, many loathsome beetle-worms and serpents gnawing and bone-cutting each member of them, some of the worms going into their mouths and their necks and coming out on their ears, and the spirits themselves collecting and drawing those devils and those loathsome reptiles to themselves. Knowest thou, O Paul, said the angel, what people are pained like this? I know not, said Paul. Those, said the angel, are the people of adultery and disgusting lust, and an eric for the fair-colored, gaudy clothes that they used to put upon themselves, both men and women, deceiving one another. Those devils are forever gnawing, overthrowing, and bone-cutting them. Paul beheld another lot upon the fiery hearth of hell. Great mountains of fire on every side of them, many ill-shaped devils throwing down those mountains upon the very top of them, bruising them together, and bitter urging them forever. Knowest thou, O Paul, said the angel, what people are pained like this? I know not, said Paul. Those, said the angel, are the people of greed, the lot who soar and gather their neighbor's portion unlawfully, who used not to show mercy or give alms or act with humanity to the poor, and who used to oppress the feeble. Paul saw another lot of people on the fiery hearth of pains, ever hideous devils, their eyes straying in their heads, being pained and bitter tortured, and being tightened with fiery chains. Knowest thou, O Paul, said the angel, what people are pained like this? I know not, said Paul. Those are the people of envy. The lot who used to be tortured and burnt with envy and with jealousy when they used to see their neighbor's goods or possessions, and who would not be satisfied with the gifts that God would give themselves, and in Eric for that, they shall be tortured for this way forever. Paul beheld another band upon the hearth of fiery pains, up to their chins in cold frosty water of the color of coal. More stinking was that water than a dead carcass after corruption. Many reptiles swimming before them in that water, they being tortured with famine and with thirst, their mouths open, crying for food and drink, it set before them, without it being in their power to taste it. For as often as they would make an attempt, it used to be removed farther from them. Knowest thou, O Paul, said the angel, what people are pained like this? I know not, said Paul. Those are the people of gluttony, the people who never fasted, nor abstained, nor gave alms, nor said prayers, who used to be eating and drinking forbidden food and drink, who used to give to the body its own satisfaction with drunkenness, gluttony, and lust, and never checked the want of the poor. Paul beheld another band upon the hearth of fiery pains, and this is how that lot were, with fiery flames out of their mouths and gullets, an evil, disgusting, insufferable smell upon that flame, their eyes ghastly wandering, straying in their heads, they pulling one another and beating one another like fully famished lions. Knowest thou, O Paul, said the angel, what people are pained like that? I know not, said Paul. Those are the people of anger, of disobedience, and of despair. They shall be thus forever and ever. Paul beheld another lot, very cold and dark, upon the hearth of pains, bound with chains upon their narrow beds, bruised and tortured and tightened in bondage by those chains, full of foulness and of evil disgusting smell, and every pain that is possible to think of. What people are those? said Paul. Those, said the angel, are the people of sloth, who used to remain away from mass, from sermons, and from the service of God. Through sloth they used to neglect and disregard good deeds, and alas for him who is journeying toward that kingdom, said the angel, for that is the habitation of the fiery pains and of the misery, the lake of cold, the prison of gall, the cave of darkness, the congregation of curses, the hearth of anger, the fort of snow, the captivity of sloth, the abode of misery, the dungeon of venom, the court of dispute, the war of the damned devils, the lake and the sea that is filled with wrath, with want, with envy, with covetous desire, with jealousy, and with all evil. Achon ach, alas for him who is journeying to it. Howsoever, the angel showed Paul at full length and completely the pains of hell. And on Paul's beholding all that, with the grace of God and with the help of the angel, he gave thanks to God for receiving that vision, and he fell to thinking bitterly about the numbers of people on the world 
who were journeying to those pains. Then the angel led Paul from the clouds of hell, until he gave him a sight of the glory of the heaven of God. And on Paul's beholding that sight, no sorrow of all he had had in his life oppressed him. He beheld the entire glory of the heavenly palace. He beheld our Savior Jesus Christ in the midst of the angels on his throne, and the Lord gave Paul a gentle, friendly welcome, and told him that it was a short time until he should come to eternal glory. Then the angel took Paul with him from the sight of the glory of heaven, and left him in the place where he had found him at first, bade him farewell, and departed to heaven. Paul was throughout his life teaching and preaching to the congregations and to the Gentiles about the glory of the heavens and the pains of hell. Glory be to the living God. End of 14